Good morning. Back when I was a youth intern at the uh, Hoover Church of Christ, uh, my first time to, uh, to really get to experience what youth ministry was like, that was also my very first preaching opportunity. Uh, even though I was raised in the church, I was, uh, I, I was honestly terrified of the idea of, of public speaking. I never, I never did the last leader speech. Um, I, I never really volunteered to do a devotional or anything like that the whole time that I was uh, growing up. And uh, I, I regret that now, I will say. Uh, looking back on it now, I wish that that was something that I was a part of, that I did go ahead and, and begin that so much earlier on. But while I was at Hoover, that was my very first opportunity to, uh, to preach in front of uh, a larger crowd of people. And I will say that I remember, and the thing I remember most out of everything is that I was extremely nervous. Uh, I was incredibly nervous about getting up there and, and, and presenting a lesson, which I'm pretty sure was probably about 17 or 18 minutes long uh, at that point, and, and just being so nervous about uh, being in front of everyone and, and presenting this lesson that I had come up with. Now, I still like the lesson that I did, but I think it predominantly was overcome by just the amount of nervousness that I have. And one thing that, that I've noticed about myself is more and more uh, as I've continued to, to be up here, and if I'm calculating it right, this should be my 23rd or 24th time up here, um, because actually I, I've been here for two years now. Um, in just a couple of days, it'll have been two years. I know, it's been way too long. Uh, but. Uh, but I've been here, and so I've had the opportunity to, to keep coming up here and keep presenting these, these lessons to you. And one of the things that I've noticed the most about myself is, is that now, when I'm, before I come up here, yes, I'm nervous. I'll, I'll tell you that. I'm still nervous, just as, probably just as nervous as I always have been. But also, I'm very excited. Whenever I get to, to come up with a lesson and get to put all these things together, by the time that it's time for me to come up here, I'm genuinely excited because I have the opportunity, I have the chance to, to get to share the things that I've studied and the things that, that I've learned uh, with you. And, uh, and so I will tell you right now, I, I'm very excited to, to be up here. And so what I decided to do is, is actually uh, kind of make this idea into a sermon in and of itself. So I want to start off by asking you this question, this question that's been up here for, for a few minutes now. And that question is, are you excited? And I want you to think about that for a second and, and not just you know, look at the question and say it's a good question. I want you to, to think about that. I want you to apply that to your life, to you here right now. Does being here, does being here at the church, being with the church, does it make you excited? Are you excited to be here, to be a part of this, this group of people right here? Or are, are you here and you, to be honest, kind of feel bored? Or kind of feel like 
it's just another part of the day. You know, it's just something on, on the checklist. Um, are you excited to be here or, or maybe are you not excited? Uh, let's see if I can get this to work here. Uh, whenever you talk or think about the church, how do you feel? I want you to think about that for a second. Whenever you talk about church, whenever you think about the church, think about us meeting, how does it make you feel? When you, just when you're thinking about it, do you feel that excitement uh, of us coming together and, and having that purpose and being able to share in the fellowship and share in the worship and praising our God? Or do you really not, not feel anything at all? Do you feel a, a purpose when you are here? Do you feel a, a sense of belonging? Do you feel like you're a part of a, a family? Do you feel excited when you think about being here, when you talk about it or think about being here with the church? I think there are a couple different ways that, uh, that we tend to, to look at Christianity. And not just us. I think people outside of the church tend to look at it this way as well. Uh, especially the, the first way that we'll look at in just a second. But I think there's a lot, a lot of times we, we, look at, uh, we look at the church in this way. And I'll go ahead and go to uh, this first one. We choose to look at Christianity in two different ways. And this is the first way right here. Uh, we look at it as a, as a list of rules and regulations. And you've probably kind of heard this idea before. And, and you know, if you, if you go into the Bible and you look at the Old Testament, uh, especially if you go to Exodus, you know, go, turn and look over at Exodus chapter 20. And you can flip the page, you know, a couple times. And you'll see that it's nothing but, you know, the Ten Commandments and lists of different laws and things that, that Israel had to abide by. And if you look at that, you know, if you look at... Uh, at our at the church, if you look at what we have to do in this way by focusing on these rules and these regulations, uh, you might be looking at it as uh, you know a list of everything that we have to give up as God's people. And you look at Israel back at that time, and you can see that that you know there there are a list of many things that they had to do correctly, a lot of things that they had to give up. And, and sure, you could have looked at it in that way. Simply a, a bunch of things that they had to get rid of in order for them to be doing things the right way. And we can look at it that way too. We can, we can come into the church and just look at it as you know, just a bunch of regulations and a bunch of things that we've got to do right or else we're going to be in trouble. And that's the way that I think a lot of people tend to, to look at Christianity and look at, at what it's about. But our second option is to look at it as an exciting, life-changing decision. If you will, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And here we see uh, the church in Philippi. And this is, of course, a letter that Paul has been writing to the church at Philippi. And, uh, and he's starting to talk to them. And we see this idea of, of this joy that they bring uh, to Paul. They, they bring this joy to Paul. And, and uh, beginning in verse 3 of Philippians chapter 1, it reads, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work 
in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul was, uh, felt this joy. He, he saw these, these great things that Philippi was doing, and it was because of what they were doing with the gospel. Because of what they were doing and, and understanding what the gospel was all about and taking it and using it and implementing it into their lives and into the lives of other people. So again, we can choose to, to look at Christianity as a list of rules and regulations. We can choose to look at Exodus and, and the other chapters that kind of go back through the laws and we can focus on, on the law part of the Bible. But when we do that, we ignore the rest of the Bible. We ignore the gospel. We ignore God's love and, and God's plan that he has for his people all throughout the Bible. And we ignore the blessings that he gives to them throughout that time and to us now. When I was a, a junior in high school, uh, about to be a senior, uh, I went on what we called, uh, back in, in my youth group at home, we called the senior high trip. And it was just the high schoolers, and, and we would go. Uh, we usually went to, to the mountains, and we'd spend a whole week just uh, hanging out up there in a big cabin, and we'd go whitewater rafting, you know, do all this, all this fun stuff. Uh, and even though it was a, a very fun-filled trip, each night we met together and we, and we just kind of talked. And uh, it was kind of a time of, of us studying together. Uh, it was very much a, an open discussion kind of format Bible study. And each night we came together and we really talked. And, and I remember while I was there, during that time, you know, hanging out with, with all of my friends and getting to have this, this fun time, I learned something. During this time, I learned that, uh, you know, being a, a member of the church is, is more uh, than just, just being there. And, and I know that kind of sounds... You know, kind of, kind of different, but, but I want you to, to understand that idea that, that what I understood at that point is that being a member was more than just being physically present at the church. Because up until that point, I was at everything that we did. I was a part of the youth group and, and did all these things with the youth group. But at this point is when I understood as we were studying that, that there was more to it than just, just being a member, than just showing up and, and being present and, and making sure my face was known and, uh, and even just enjoying myself uh, being a part of, of this. I understood that there was more to being a, a member than being physically present. And I think when we hear this idea of, of being a member of something, um, not necessarily in, in, in church terms, but maybe we do kind of group these together a little bit, but, but when you're a member of something, I think primarily you think about this idea of, uh, of ownership and this idea of uh, being exclusive. Uh, this kind of idea that, you know, if you're a member of something, then the, the whole basis is that you're a part of this. Um, you're, you have that identity in what that's about. And having the identity in this group when you're a member, I think that's that's majority of the idea of, of what this is. And yes, I think it's good for us to have that idea of being a part of the church, but I think there's, 
I think there's more to it. And in fact, I want to kind of question this idea of, of being a member with, an, with another word. And that is the idea of being a, a volunteer. Being a member versus being a volunteer. When we think of member, again, you know, we, we think of that kind of being a part of this group, kind of being a select member, uh, you know, being kind of exclusive about this. And when you think of volunteer, at least for me, I think in a very different direction. When I think of volunteer, I think of you know, this person that, that goes out and does something. This person that, that doesn't actually have to go and do these things, but they choose anyways that, that they're going to go out and they're going to perform these actions and they're going to do these things that they have set out to do. A volunteer is someone who decides to, to take part in something. They're not just a, a part of a group. They take action. What they do justifies this title that they live by. When somebody is considered to be a volunteer, the actions that they perform are what make them considered to be this volunteer. I think a lot of times we, we tend to have this, this member mentality, is what I've decided to, to call it this morning, a member mentality. And whenever we have this member mentality, we tend to have this idea of, of being a part of a group and, and nothing more. And when we do that in the church, we decide that we're going to be a part of the church, but that's about as far as it is it's going to get. And a lot of times when we have member mentality, we often are, allow our relationships with others make us feel obligated to be here. And maybe that's, uh, 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 you know, the, the younger kids being here because they feel obligated by parents. Uh, maybe it's a spouse. It could be the children that make uh, an adult feel obligated to be here. But a lot of times we allow other relationships to control whether or not we're going to do more than, than simply be a number, be a member here. We have identity in the church and nothing more. But instead of living our lives this way, instead of allowing others to make us feel obligated or, or living simply as, as, a, as a member with this member mentality, our actions and our relationship with our God need to be our own. They need to be ours. The actions that we perform need to be motivated by our God and by us. And our relationship with our God, of course, also needs to be our own. Because really, if our relationship is driven by other people, if we feel like we have a relationship with God because we're obligated by other people to establish that relationship, then there is no relationship. You see, the work that we do is just as important as the church that we are a part of. And yes, don't get me wrong, the church that we are a part of is very, very important. And the fact that we're a part of, of this church right here is important. But we can't forget that the work that we do is just as important. As I was going through this, this idea, I couldn't help but go to James chapter 2. If you want to turn with me to James chapter 2. In the book of James, we see this idea of a faith without works. 
it's very funny enough, I actually remember a lot from James specifically because of uh, back when I was in seventh grade uh, for Bible Bowl. That's what we did. We focused on James. And I still remember a good amount of James because of that. Uh, but look at, at James chapter 2, beginning with verse 14. It says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. I think this passage here perfectly shows this, uh, this member mentality versus this idea of, of having that more volunteer mentality. If you look at verse 18, as, as someone says, you have faith and I have works, that's almost like that member saying, show me your faith apart from works, just the faith in and of itself. And I will show you my faith by my works. I will show you the faith that I have by the work that I do. As we move on, if you'll go ahead and turn to, to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look there for, for a minute. But as we go into the, the New Testament, and as we get to uh, these first four books, we know that these are normally titled as the gospel. We see this idea of, of the gospel. And the gospel is, of course, the good news. Translated to the good news. The gospel is good news. And as you think back to, to this idea, uh, these two different ideas that we talked about in the beginning, uh, this idea of, of, uh, of Christianity either being all about rules and regulations or about being a, a life-changing decision, I want you to think about the gospel, about the, the good news. This is the good news. Does this sound like something that, that's going to give you these rules and regulations or does this sound like something that can be this life-changing decision? What I want to do as we're together in, in Matthew is I actually want to observe, uh, I want to look at the crowds. I want to look at all the different crowds that we see in Matthew. And I don't know if I have, I don't know if I actually have all of them, but we're going to look at uh, several different passages that include uh, the crowds when they were with Jesus, during the time that Jesus was on this earth and the crowds that, that interacted with him. Uh, we're going to look at some specifically in Matthew. Uh, I'm actually going to put the, uh, what you need to see most specifically up on, uh, up on the screen. Uh, but I'm going to read through these real quick. All right, beginning with Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. 
And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. Matthew chapter 14, beginning with verse 13. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Matthew 19, verses 1 and 2. Now when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Matthew chapter 20, uh, verse 29. And he went out, and as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And one more I want to look at. Uh, Matthew chapter 21, beginning with verse 6. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put, them, uh, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of God! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Here we see several different accounts of these crowds. And I think it's easy to see what what continues to happen every time that, that we see these crowds. These crowds are, are following him. In fact, one of my favorites out of all of these is actually in chapter 14. We see that uh, Jesus saw that there were you know, a lot of people, and so he was retreating to go to a desolate place, and he gets on a boat and he goes. The people hear that he's going somewhere else, and they say, we heard where he's going, let's follow him. So then they go on foot all the way around uh, and get to where he was going to be because they wanted to be where he was so badly. They wanted to follow him. And in Matthew chapter 21, we see, I think, probably the, the best account of how, how Jesus really should have been treated while he was on this earth. We see the one time that, that the people actually said, this is who Jesus is and, and he deserves this much. And we should do these things for him. And we should follow him. And we see all these, things, all these things take place. And we're able to ask these questions about these people. How, how did they look at the gospel? How did they look at Jesus? Are we like the crowds? Are we like these crowds that we see in the gospel? And of course, at this point, no, the church had not yet been entirely established because Jesus was still there on earth and was still you know, working on establishing uh, his life and the things that he was going to do for us. But here we see the, the eagerness, we see the excitement of the crowds, the excitement of these people wanting to be a part of 
what Jesus was offering them. And they weren't just sitting around and and waiting for Him to show up. They went to Him. They followed Him great distances to be able to hear and see the things that Jesus was saying and doing. Are we like these crowds? Are are we doing these things? Are we doing these actions? Are we doing the work that we need to for Jesus? I want to shift over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to look at two passages real quick, one in Acts chapter 2 and one in chapter 4, where we see really the, the beginning of, of the church. Once Jesus has, has left this earth and the apostles are, are then working and, uh, and, and establishing His church, we, we get to see the excitement of the gospel continue. Beginning with uh, verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Here we see the excitement of the gospel, go from these people following Jesus to those becoming one heart and soul, becoming this, this one church. We see the first century church as it, as it begins to form. So I want to ask you this, are, are we like the church? Are we like the first century church? Like this church that we read about here in Acts chapter 2 and chapter 4. A lot of times we ask this on a, on a doctrinal level. You know, are, are we like the, the first century church? Are we doing things the way that we need to be doing? And that's an important question for us to, to ask in terms of making sure that our faith is where it needs to be with those of the first century church and that we're doing things right. But what about our works? Are the works that we're doing, the way that we're interacting with, with not just the church but those outside of the church, are we doing that like the first century church? What about our works? I have one final question for you uh, this morning as we kind of wrap everything up. And when I give you, I want to go ahead and tell you this, when I give you this final blank, uh, don't, don't put your bulletin up just yet. Um, 
I want you to, 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 to keep that available because what I want you to do is in the notes section, if, if you have room for it, I want you to try to answer this question. I want you to, to think the best that you can to, to try and answer this question. And that question is, what would it take to make you excited about your God? And I'll go ahead and say this. Maybe you're, you already are excited. Maybe you're already just so excited to, to be here, to be a part of the church, to be able to, to have these, these works in action. Maybe you already understand uh, your, uh, what you're doing for the church and you're happy with that. And that's awesome. But if not, what, what is it going to take to make you excited about your God, about the church, about your relationship with Him? What could you do in the church, for the church, with the church, that would help you have faith with works? Because faith without works is, is dead. If we have faith, if we're here, if we're doing all the things you know, within the building and, and attending, but nothing more, then our faith is dead because we don't have the works. <clears throat> and I want to go ahead and, and be honest with you. you know, if you feel like you don't have the answer to this question, maybe you feel like you don't have the answer to this question, what would it take? I, I don't know. And I'll go ahead and tell you this, that I don't know how to answer your question either. Because everyone is different. And, and you know, the, the work that, that I do here, I'm pretty sure that some of you would rather do a million different things than be in charge of one youth activity. And I understand that. I completely understand that. Each person has, has different things that they like, that they dislike. And they are different things, something unique about your life, about your actions, your works that will make you excited about your God and about being here each morning. But I want you to, to think about that. One more verse. I want to look at the verse that we read this morning during our scripture reading in Romans chapter 8. Beginning with verse 18, and I'm actually going to read the first two and then skip down to verse 23. Verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. I want you to imagine how much we could do as 200 volunteers instead of 200 members. If we have 200 people that have a, a member mentality, what is that going to do for, for our church? If we like the idea of being a part of the church and, and that's about as far as we take it, what's, what's going to happen to the church? But if we all leave and we all have this volunteer mentality, if we all have this idea of not just having this faith, not just being a part of, of this church, 
but having works, doing things that make us excited about our God, what is that going to do for, for this church? You may be here this morning and you may feel like you don't know what makes you excited about your God. You might not know what it is that's going to, to continue to, to keep you motivated to do works for your God. Or maybe you're here and, and you have not yet decided to, to be a part of the church. Maybe you haven't yet stepped into this role of, of, of member and, uh, and you want to be a part of His church. You want to be a part of Christ. Whatever it might be, know that we are here for you, that the church is here for you. And that if, if you need help trying to understand what it's going to take to make you excited about your God, the elders are here for you, Mark is here for you, I am here for you. If there's anything that you need, whether it be for prayers or encouragement, we invite you to come forward now as we stand and as we sing.